Alex Ferrara, and I'm taking a deep dive into the world of beauty and women's health. I'm asking all the questions and trying every product and trend so you don't have to. Get ready for a little glam and a lot of info. This is Glow Up and Speak Out. Today I'm sitting down with Angela Flotkin. She is a self-proclaimed environmental health fanatic. She is a clean beauty and clean living advocate. Her goal is to help people make small changes that can positively impact their health through her Instagram account and her social media presence named The Better Half. She spends a lot of her time trying to put safer products into the marketplace and to help pass laws that safeguard the planet and protect human health. Angela actually works with Beauty Counter, one of my personal favorite clean brands, and she actually works a lot on their advocacy side, and she travels to D.C., and she helps try to get actual laws passed around safer ingredients in our self-care products. For a lot of my friends who know me personally, I am the go-to for clean beauty recs, but Angela is my go-to when I have a question about an ingredient or a product. She's the one I will ask, so I'm really excited to sit down with her today. Let's start with why. What made you so interested in clean living and the environment, the non-toxic lifestyle? Like, is that how you were raised? Like, how did this all happen? So, yeah, I was raised in a house with a dad who's a doctor and a mom. My mom stayed at home and there was definitely always a focus on health because my dad's a physician and um, you know, lifestyle was always important. My parents are both really active, playing tennis all the time and things like that. We just by nature of how my mom was raised, we ate incredibly well. Um, my mom was actually born in Sudan, of all places, um, North Africa, and then later moved, actually was forced out of North Africa because of government tensions, much like we're seeing today, um, and moved to England. So the way she grew up, big eating and cooking and learning, like everything was from scratch. So American way of life, like cooking from a can, cream of mushroom, Campbell's soup, like that stuff was never in my house as a kid. In fact, I can remember certain things that like really annoyed me as a child, like as an example, when I, my mom would pack my lunch and she would like use something she already had to wrap my sandwich. <laughs> and I would just be like, put it in a Ziploc bag. Like I want my lunchbox to look pristine. You know, I wasn't of course thinking about the environment at the time, right? I was like, I want my lunchbox to look like this pretty thing. But looking back, I realized like those were the ways that she knew to be more environmentally conscious and all of those things that, again, I don't think it was like purposeful the way that I live my life today. I think it was just how they lived. Things were homemade. Well, that makes so much sense because it's just what you're used to. And I had a similar, like my mom would never pack me like Lunchables or like anything like that, but I wanted Lunchables so bad, not because I wanted them, but because everyone else had them. And I just wanted to be like everyone else. But it makes so much sense because if you don't develop like a childhood love for something, then you don't have to work so hard to like work yourself out of it. Like I was not allowed to have fast food as a kid. So I don't have this like sentimental kind of nostalgia for like a McDonald's fries that I know some of my friends do. And they're like, we know it's not good, but it's so cozy. And it reminds me like, I don't have that attachment. And so you don't have this attachment to like a Campbell's soup or like some sort of like TV dinner or like mac and cheese from a box. Yes. I mean, for me, it's like when my mom comes to visit and makes us a home cooked meal, I'm like, that is so good. You know, so good. She's the best cook. And it's funny with the, with how you get, how you're raised. I get, I think about this all the time and people ask me all the time. You think as a parent, like if I don't give my kids this stuff, are they going to crave it more? But if I do give it to them, it goes against the values of how I want to raise them in a healthy environment. And so where is that? So it's interesting that it landed there for you that you're like, oh, I, I don't want that because it's not what I grew up with, it, you know? Well, there's a line because that's the positive side. But I did have when I was little 
a situation where I had an Oreo for the first time ever at a sleepover and I'd never had one. And that like high fructose corn syrup set off like a, and I was like, oh my God, like I need another one and I need like another one. And I was also like, maybe I'll never have an Oreo again in my life. So I had like a lot and then I puked. So like, <laughs> that was, so like, so, so it's a line like that, that would be the downside. You know? Damned if you do and damned if you yeah. don't. That's the bottom line in right. parenting anyway. Right. But when I think about it holistically, I mean, am I super glad that my mom put a home-cooked meal on the table every night versus taking us to McDonald's? Absolutely. Um, of course. Yeah. So, so yeah, I grew up in a healthy house, but it wasn't until later in life for me, it was when I became pregnant with my first daughter, that I really started to think about environmental health. Um, I was healthy, but my definition of healthy was maybe different. You know, I think that the way we may be conditioned to think of healthy, like flipping over our yogurt and looking at the number of calories, like because it's low calories, is it healthy? No, but that's maybe how I used to think about health when I was younger. So as I grew, and again, being pregnant with someone else, it's amazing how our mindset sh shifts when we're all of a sudden responsible for another human being. And I felt like I needed to check myself on every decision I was making because it wasn't just about me anymore. It was about this beautiful person I was going to bring into the world. And that is really what inspired my, I would say, career and journey into uncovering all, all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and that continues to be a lot of why I share, because I always think back to that young me that didn't know all this stuff and was then desperately trying to figure it all out. And it was so hard. And that was, you know, 16 years ago. And I think it's just as hard today, even though there's a lot more options for healthy choices, it's so overwhelming and daunting for the average person to figure out how to live a more health-filled life, who can you trust? Who can you turn to? Um, and so I just felt like I wanted to be that voice for the average mom that just wants to live a little bit better and a little healthier, um, making small, simple, sustainable changes. Right. And so how do you explain? So on Instagram, you're the better half. It's like, what is it? That was actually my husband's idea to be the better half. And I, I was going around trying to think of what, you know, what to call myself or what to stand for or not to stand for. And, you know, the, when you start digging into a lot of this stuff, you can have a tendency to get pretty mad because there's just a lot out there that's just shouldn't be called for. And, you know, I could have spent my time calling out, you know, pharma and, and the food industry and on and on and on. But I'm a positive person and I wanted to put my spirit and my energy towards positive things. And so instead of doing that, I decided just to highlight what's good, what's good in the world, what's better. So that was the idea behind the better half is like, this is something better, you know? Um, and kind of let people deduce that what they're maybe using or used to isn't the best, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the idea there. There's so many more options now. Like I feel like even from 10 years ago, like there's so many more options that are better, you know, in beauty and cleaning products and home. Like it's not really a trend. Like I walked into, I was telling you, I walked into an Ulta because um, I just, I forgot to pack mascara on a trip and I was like, I had pregnancy, right? And I was like, I just need a mascara. And I said, oh, like what clean brands do you have? And they were like, we don't have any, you know, they had, they looked at me like I was crazy, but it was so funny. They were like, but Clinique has a clean quote unquote clean line. So like who knows, but like it, it's not a trend anymore. I just feel like all of these bigger sort of name brands are like trying to, yeah. to have a start, like try to like dip their toe in, make it without these few ingredients. Um, so that is very exciting that there are a lot more options. 
So where are you do, are you pulling your research from? Like when you're looking up a new product, cleaning product, makeup product, where are you, how are you figuring out that it's safe? So I usually, sometimes like the simpler things are the better, right? Like we can all make really easy choices just knowing like from really simple things like vinegar, baking soda, like super, super easy. Um, we know they're safe. We know they're good. They can be used for a multitude of things. So those, those are the easy ones. The harder ones are like, um, and this happens every day. So I'll give you an example. My kids, right? They, they just know, like, I'm not going to buy them a new makeup or skincare product unless it's healthy. And so, um, I'll look at the ingredients. I've done this long enough that some of the big ones like PEGs or phthalates or, you know, certain colorants or things will jump out at me. Fragrance. Yeah. So I just know, and I'm like, eh, no, a lot, most of the time, you know, if you get familiar with the big ones, you can just look at something and inherently know, eh, this isn't, but the language on a lot of products is very misleading ingredients. You know, not all chemicals are bad. Some chemicals are totally benign. So I still do rely on the environmental working group um, for a lot of the data. So environmental working groups a completely, you know, it's a nonprofit. It's the best resource out there. A lot of others have emerged over the years. Um, there are multitude of databases out there, but I think that the, that the EWG is the most reliable. I do too. It's um, how they look at things. So that's, that's where I still go for a lot of a lot of information and they have the ability for you to research individual products. Um, and, but if they're not in there, you can paste ingredients and create your own report. So oh, really, I didn't know that. Yes. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with beauty. Yes. So first of all, you have three daughters. So how does that conversation go if they want something that their friends have that's not safe like was there friction at the beginning when they were trying to buy makeup and skincare and now it's calmed down or like how does that conversation go well I started doing what I do when they were so young you know okay okay it's been a conversation their whole life and they've grown up doing my work with me which has been a really beautiful thing they've heard me talk they've heard me do podcasts they've heard me speak and we've kind of learned together. So it's kind of, you know, there hasn't been a ton of friction around that because they know how important it is. And I've tried, I try to teach my kids not by lecturing, but like by showing them. So for example, um, there's been one or two times where things have come to my house and they're like not the best things. And I've had my kids do research on it and say, you know what, I want you to um, write me, you know, a paragraph on why this is bad. Like go, go look, go look on the internet, do your research and write it up. And then they do that and realize like, Ooh, yeah, this isn't so good. You know, sometimes instead of just being lectured by your mom about something like do your own digging, um, <laughs> we've watched documentaries together and things like that. So there hasn't been that much friction. Now, would I be lying if I told you never? Yeah, I'd be lying. Like just a couple weeks ago, I found a fragrance in my daughter's backpack and I found the same fragrance in her bathroom before and it's always her friends and I don't know if it is or not, but it goes straight in the garbage bin and then we have a conversation about it. And um, yeah, I've I've yelled and lost it. Like fragrance is, it's like secondhand smoke and you can smell it right away, especially when you're not used to having it around. So as soon as one of my kids sprays perfume in my house, I'm like, I can smell it. Like, what'd you put on, you know? And so, yes, that still happens from time to time. But I've also been able to be the fun mom because I do do a lot with beauty. And so my kids have better skincare than any other kids their age that I know. I mean, I don't know any 13 year old that uses a vitamin C serum and thinks that they need it, but mine does. And so I'm like, well, you know, because I do this, I feel like I can treat them to 
great things and they have fun with it. So they, it's very rare that they ask me for something because they already have so much more and better than, than their friends do. But you're so right. Okay, yeah, sure, you might be strict, but you're also a really cool mom to be getting them so many nice and safe products, like you said, yeah. just like gifting them the good stuff. So can you talk about fragrance and explain to everyone what that means? Because it, we think fragrance, we think perfume, but if we see fragrance as an ingredient on something, it could mean like a million different things that aren't disclosed, right? Yes, exactly. So fragrance is just inherently like a trade secret for the beauty industry. And so you really never know what's in it. There could be hundreds of ingredients in the word fragrance and it's all hidden. So that really leads it. For me, it's just a big no. You know, it's, it is like secondhand smoking and it can cause a variety of health concerns in addition to just simple things like headaches. You know, I know when I'm smelling something that's bad, you just know. You walk into a nail salon, you just know right away. It's like, Ooh, like I don't want to be around this, right? So um, that's why it's just a big one to to try to avoid. Now there are cleaner fragrances coming out, um, and again, it's murky waters. Some are really well tested, some are not. Beauty Counter has two that we just launched for holiday um, in the early 2024. We'll have a whole line of fragrance, and I know that the testing that's gone into that has been so like just in depth to try to bring clean synthetic fragrance to market. So why did you choose Beauty Counter to get so involved with? Because it's it's more than just a skincare makeup line. What makes you so passionate about it? I had just started my blog. And what I realized was that Beauty Counter gave me a really easy entry way to clean living with people. Not everyone's willing to change their lawn care, adopt a, you know, workout routine or start eating more plant-based or all these other things that I stand for, but everyone's using soap or lotion or hand sanitizer or shampoo. And so for me, I just always equated skincare, beauty, makeup as the gateway to healthy living. It was a way for me to bring people into something they could really understand. I could educate them and then hopefully help them make other changes. And that's definitely what I've seen happen is that I've been able to create um, community understanding and get people to see that like, just because something's healthy doesn't mean it's going to be less in the way of performance. Right. That's the old way. That's the old way. You know, there was like one weird powder at the back of Whole Foods that like didn't work, you know, and right. now there's so many amazing things that work. And yeah, I, people say this all the time. Well, I don't really use a lot of products. I don't wear a lot of makeup, but you do. Like if you're a woman, I mean, maybe you're a guy and you use a bar of soap, but like if you're a woman, you are shampooing, you're conditioning, you are washing your face and you're putting on some kind of lotion and deodorant at a bare minimum. So like everyone's doing something. And if there's a better option available that works just the same as your other product, or sometimes probably better, why wouldn't we choose that? And I, I completely agree that people, it would take a lot to change diet, let you know what I mean, but like it's soap or skincare and then we're all doing it. Yes. It's such an easy button now. What I love about Beauty Counter that a lot of people don't know about is the advocacy side of things, which has helped me in, to inform me about so many issues in this world that I didn't used to care about or even know about. So um, I was just giving this example to someone today who, you know, we have so many worldly issues right now going on and so many things that we need to fix and care about. And I was reading about how important it was to write to our senators and congressmen. Well, I remember like eight years ago, like I never, if I would have received, you know, an email telling me to do that, I'd be like, eh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Because of the work I've done with Beauty Counter, I know it matters because we've helped to change 15, maybe, maybe we're up to 16 laws. I've been to Washington, D.C. to meet with congressional leaders to change things. 
And I've seen that when our voices come together, we, we really can affect change, but we're also not just beating our head against the wall by just going to politicians, because we all know that can take years, decades, lifetimes to fix some of these big problems. And the beauty industry is one of them. Like we are seeing change, but it's very slow, very slow. And we can't afford to wait, but we're also using commerce as an engine for change. So when you going back to something you said earlier, like all of these big brands are coming out with clean lines. They're not doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. They're doing it because they're following the money, right? And so what they're seeing now is this groundswell of people saying, hey, wait a minute, you're putting lead in my lipstick? What? Like you're putting hormone disrupting chemicals in my baby lotion? Like, what are you doing? And they're hearing the rally cries for, we're not accepting this. And you know what? We're going to go buy that other thing because it's safe and it works. So now all the companies are getting on the bandwagon or at least trying to. Um, pretend that they are so that they can not lose out on sales. So I think that um, I just have loved, you know, using commerce as an engine for change, advocating, working with other people to make good in this world. I just think that if more companies started doing the right thing and working this way, like we could change so much about this world and for do better for the planet too. So can you go back a little bit and explain a little bit of the history of the regulations or the lack of regulations in the beauty industry? Like there haven't been a lot of laws passed since 1938 or, you know, can you go into some of the history? I mean, you got it pretty much (laughs) in a nutshell, really. I mean, those are the big ones to know is that there hasn't been major federal law passed since 1938. And if you can just think about that, think about how much has changed since 1938, like the number of ingredients that are used, the chemicals that have been created, you know, the fact that really there's no governing body overseeing the beauty industry and that it's a self-governed entity. So you and I tomorrow could go formulate some lipstick in your garage and go sell it and that would be okay. And that's not okay. Someone should be looking over it Um, I think that consumers believe that if something's being sold, that it's gone through some kind of checks and it just really hasn't. And so, yeah, Europe does better than us by far. Um, Even Canada does better than us. But I would say those countries are even behind where they should be. Um, America is just kind of bottom of the barrel. You know, I think we banned 30 ingredients, something like that. Maybe we're a few more than that now. And like I said, we help, we have helped to pass more recent legislation that is going to change some things, but it's still so far from being um, perfect or, you know, health protective. So um, I think that's the easiest way to break it down for people is that, you know, unfortunately, um, but also fortunately, like the power is in our hands. And so, Every time we make a purchase, we can do better for our family and do better for our health. We can also send a message back to the industry that we want we want better, safer products. And that, I think, is at the core of why it's so important to make our dollars count. You know what's so interesting is there's a lot of people, well, you know, it's such a small amount and it's been working for me for a long time, but like, okay, but maybe you're 25 and how many people do we know that have had cancer or major health problems by the time they hit 55, you know? And then the other thing that's so interesting is there, I feel like there are some like scientists or like healthcare professionals who think it's all kind of ridiculous. But when you go, I have friends that have been to fertility specialists. The first thing they say, and these are Western medicine doctors, is clean up your environment. Get rid of the scented candles. Get rid of the fragrance. Like, it's too much on your body. It's too big of a toxic load. And then also, when you're pregnant, my first trimester, my OB said, don't color your hair. Don't use any toxic shampoos. She said, your scalp is so absorbent. So it's so interesting that it... In medicine, it will apply in some areas and not in others. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and, you know, it's just like a pill for every ill, right? We're treating 
um, problems instead of being proactive? And I think that that's a perfect question. When people ask me if Beauty Counter or any other product that I recommend is safe for pregnancy, I say, of course, because guess what? If you can't use it when you're pregnant, you shouldn't be using it today. Like why wait like I did to be growing another human to think about your own health? You matter, right? And so um, I just think that's just a huge flaw just about society in general and that, you know, I don't want to live that way. I want to be as proactive as possible because I believe we pay for it either on the front end or the back end. Like I'd rather put the work in to stay healthy and well than like paying for it on the back end. And I see so much around me every day because of what I do. And um, I, I like to do a lot of give backs um, as I can with my business. And yeah, I mean, just, just this week alone, I did um, actually lost a team member of mine to breast cancer in September. I'm sorry. And yeah, thank you. And she was so great. And she used to take and deliver pouches of clean products to her um, center when she would go get treatment because she really believed her cancer was environmentally caused. And so she wanted to educate other women. And so yesterday, my youngest daughter and I went and delivered pouches in her honor. And then on Thursday, we're going to Children's Hospital because one of my other friends, young little boy has had cancer and he has been through so much. Um, he's nearly lost his life. And, you know, again, like, do we know necessarily how people are getting these illnesses? No, we don't. Can we say they're all environmental? No, we can't. But we know there are things we can do to protect our health that won't hurt. And I think we need to do everything we can where we can, um, you know, filter your water, use better products, avoid pesticides, you know, just these little things that like, they're not so hard to do, but I do think they make a difference. Right. They're not hard to do, but it takes research. And I think people get really overwhelmed. Yes. Um, so I feel like hair color is the last frontier on this. And I actually emailed you when I was in my first trimester because you didn't know that at the time, but I was like, we have similar hair color. Yes. We have like the same hair color. I started getting gray hair at age 30, which is so frustrating. My mother did not go gray until age 50. I think it's some sort of like genetics on my dad's side. It's so frustrating. Um, and silly me, I thought I would be working first trimester. I Little did I know like a week after I was going to get so, so sick. So it did, did not matter at all. But there's not a great option. And no, you came back with the same research that I did of like, okay, there's hair print, which is this like clay that's clean, that there's a salon that does it here. It's like $500 and takes four hours. <laughs> it's like crazy. Or you can do it at home, but it like takes so, you know, there's not a great option. So I feel like whoever invents really dark, clean hair color that actually covers a gray is going to be crazy yeah, successful. That should be what we're doing right now, you and I. I know. It's we need crazy. a scientist. We need a couple thousand dollars for some trials. We it's need really it's so hard to crack that one. It's it really so is. hard to crack that one. So in instances like that, like it's about finding the least kind of toxic option. So how yeah. do you approach a situation like that where there's just like not a perfect option? Yeah, I mean that's life in general, right? Like there's often not a perfect option. And this is where, you know, I'm probably different and wanted to be this voice for this, you know, environmental health movement. It's like life isn't black and white, right? And I think that there are a lot of people in the environmental health movement who are very, very strict on what they will and won't do, right? And I know that life happens. I know that no matter how clean I want to live, I have three young ladies that are growing up with the influence of friends. I know that, you know, it's just hard to be perfect and none of us are. And so I really wanted to be that voice for the person that, you know, maybe like you, maybe like me, that's like, you know what? Like, I just don't want to go gray. Like, I know it's bad. Trust me. Like I get my hair colored every time I do. I'm like, 
I know this is so bad. Like, let me say some kind of like prayer or something. Right. <laughs> but I, I also know, like, I would look like shit if my hair was gray. So, you know, there you just have to make the best choice you can. So you can avoid ingredients like ammonia. Um, again, like, so some of this stuff comes down to common sense, like let your nose be your guide. And um, when I used to get my hair dyed back in the day, I would just like smell it. It would almost like burn or like, it would burn your scalp. Yeah, it would burn and it would smell very, very strong. Like the product that I use today is it is far from perfect, but it doesn't have those side effects for me. So, you know, so I still do it. Trust me, I think about not doing it like every time, but yeah. It's such a hard one. It's such a hard one, yeah. right? And my husband's like, but you look great with the gray hair. Like it's, but it's like, but it's for me. Like, I don't want to look in the mirror and not look like myself. I know. I, I feel like, the same. And I, you know, it's like the Halloween candy too. Like it's <laughs> in my pantry and you know, like, am I eating a Hershey every night? Yeah. And do I know <laughs> it's not the best? Yeah. And did I just go online and order like my special chocolate chips from California that I know are tested for heavy metals? Literally did that today. They were like 60 some dollars. And tonight I'll probably eat a Reese's buttercup that's full of crap, but like, <laughs> You know, so I don't, I don't want to, and I don't want to be viewed as a hypocrite because I, you know, make good choices in this place and I'm not making the best, but I think that's just reality. And I wanted to be that person that people don't feel judged by. And I get people that are like, uh, even my mom was like showing me a lipstick the other day and was putting it on. She's like, oh yeah, this beauty couch. She's like, oh no, it's Chanel or something. I'm like, oh my God, you know, but it's like, okay, like you love that lipstick. You're going to wear it. It's okay. Like it is okay. But just, I think if we make as many good choices as we can, it will balance out some of the the it has to be a balance or else it's just not realistic. You're yeah. not going to go through all of Halloween if like a Reese's peanut butter cup is your thing without having like literally one. You right. know, it's Forget just, it. it's not, it's not realistic. So we all need to talk to someone from time to time. We could all use a good therapy session. Where it gets hard is it can feel really daunting to do the research to find the right person for you. It can be really expensive. And trying to find time in your day to leave your house or to leave work to go to a physical appointment is real tricky sometimes, especially after COVID. So that's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp will match you with a virtual therapist in 24 hours. They do all the work for you. And if you don't love the first person they match you with, you can go back to the drawing board and they can match you with someone else. It's also all virtual. So you don't have to leave your office. You don't have to leave your apartment. You don't have to leave your house. If you're going through a rough patch right now and you need a little support, this is a great option for you. And even if you're not, even if you just need to vent about a bad day you had or you just want a listening ear, try BetterHelp. And for 10% off of your first month of virtual therapy, use code SPEAKOUT at checkout. That's code SPEAKOUT at checkout for 10% off your first month of virtual therapy. For more information, just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes for this episode. And thank you, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this podcast. So a few years ago, I was shopping at the Goop store in Sag Harbor, which we all know Goop is amazing and clean and luxurious, but it can get a little pricey in there, but it's fun to look, so fun to look. And I discovered Beauty Counter because they sell a lot of clean brands that they just love. And I thought, wait, what is this Goop approved clean brand that is a little less expensive? And I bought a few products and then fell in love. Beauty Counter is an environmental working group certified brand. So you know it's the real deal. It's EWG certified. You know it's really clean. It's made without over 2,800 questionable or toxic ingredients. They do not use those ingredients. So you know it is safe. They have skincare. They have makeup. It's kind of a one-stop shop for all your bath, body, makeup, hair, skincare needs. It's also a female-founded brand, and they're really working hard towards sustainable packaging that is good for the environment. Some of my favorite products 
from Beauty Counter are their vitamin C serum that I use every single morning without fail, the All Bright AHA toner, which is the only toner that's ever shrunk my pores, and I think their cream blush is just the best cream blush out there. So you don't have to shop with me. You can buy Beauty Counter on their website. You can get it through Goop. They are now sold at Ulta. But if you do shop with me, I can let you in on discounts, free goodies, free samples. I can create a personalized skincare routine for you and answer all of your questions about the products. So if you'd like to shop Beauty Counter with me, go to beautycounter.com slash Alexandra Ferrara. That is beautycounter.com slash Alexandra Ferrara, F-E-R-R-A-R-A. And for more information, just scroll down to the show notes for this episode. Okay, so let's go to home. So like candles. Candles we are learning are toxic and it's really sad because we love them and they make us feel very cozy. Do you have a clean option? I do. One, your traditional candle, right? There are some brands that make non-toxic candles that don't have synthetics in them. So you're going to look for a cotton wick because a lot of wicks, at least old school wicks, could contain lead. Um, And there are a lot of companies that will always say like cotton wicks now, but just because they have that doesn't mean it's clean. The other things to look for would be like more of a natural um, wax. Beeswax is like the best, but those are hard to find too. And then the fragrance has to be all natural. Um, this is one place I will not do a synthetic. It is a candle. There are just like, just like fragrance, you know, um, for your body. A lot of candle companies are making like safer synthetics for candles, but I just haven't found one I'm comfortable with that I really think is safe. So I do the essential oils. Oh, essential oil. Okay. What about soy? Yeah, soy is good. Soy is that, wax. So we're looking for a cotton wick, yeah. beeswax, or soy. Yeah, those okay. are good. And what is a brand? Can you shout out a brand? Yeah, so that- I mean, this one I really like. I found this at one of my favorite local um, AO and Co. It's um, oh yeah, yeah, Ben Parambas. Um, yeah, I love place. that place. Yeah. So this is called the Village Common. It's a hundred percent essential oils, soy wax, and coconut base. It's no synthetics. It's Leaping Bunny certified. So it's, you know, that's a symbol that it that no animals were harmed when it was produced. But it's funny because a lot of people are like, are you Leaping Bunny certified? Um, and, I, you know, the, or they ask that of companies. I'm like, well, you should also ask if you're like human certified because Angela, they care about I the f- animals, but they don't care about the people. I feel the same way. It's so interesting. It's like, yeah. great. It's not tested on animals, but also is it safe for human beings? Because right. human beings are using them. <laughs> right. It's just like really interesting. Okay. And then this is just a essential oil, you know. Diffuser. Yes. A diffuser. Okay. So the essential oil diffusers are okay because there's yes. been some mixed opinions about like I've heard different really? things. I just I've I've been confused. Yes. I've honestly been confused about if the essential oil diffusers is it like a candle? Like I'm confused. No, it's good. I mean, I think okay. there's there's some oils I can tell you which ones they are that you know are like you need to avoid maybe when you're pregnant or this or that. So maybe okay. you want to look into like what you're diffusing, but like I love eucalyptus, for example, especially if we're like sick or, you know, have a cold coming on or whatever like that. I love cinnamon. Uh, there's, there's tons of lemon. Um, okay. So this would be another way to scent your home, okay. you know, naturally. So I keep, these are cinnamon sticks and cloves. And then these are cloves and like some um, dehydrated like oranges And I, when I want my house to smell good, maybe before people come over or something like that, I'll just, you know, pour some of each of these in a pan and, or a pot. I saw you do that on Instagram once. I think you made a reel or something. It looked so cozy. It's so cozy. It smells delicious. It lasts forever. All you need to do is keep adding water to it, simmer it really, really low, and it will give your your house a really great smell. In fact, my husband even did it a few weeks ago when I was out of town and I came home and like the pot was on the stove. So it's great. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. Those are such good ones. Okay. So what about cleaning supplies? What do you use for cleaning the house? Do you have brands that you trust? Do you make your own? 
What yeah. are you using? So for me, for every day, like I will either make my own spray using like vinegar, a little soap, water, maybe a couple drops of essential oil. That's just a super simple one. I probably have a recipe for it up on my Instagram. Um, Branch Basics is a great everyday brand for just an all-purpose spray. Now, I do have people that help me clean. And so for them, that probably wouldn't like cut it. So what I did and what I'd recommend to other people to do is to ask if you do have people that help you clean, ask them what they need. Ask them like, do they need a stainless steel cleaner or toilet bowl cleaner or, you know, something for kitchen sinks or whatever they need and then go find something that they can use for that and label it. So that's my, my basket looks like that. And then I have it labeled like what I want them to use what for. And, um, you know, so, so that I, again, that's like trying to be like traditional about cleaning, but, but also have safer options because most cleaning crews will come in with horrible smelling things. And every once in a while, maybe like every, you know, 12th time that they're here, I walk in my house and I know immediately they've used something of their own because I can smell it. And it gets so much worse with small spaces, like in an apartment. It's because it's like, just so concentrated and sometimes people in New York City like they have like one little window like it's hard you know it's hard to get that airflow so like we I really have to watch the chemicals in here or else it just it just sticks with you okay so what about cooking can you talk about your pans yes you know how do we deal with the non-stick situation what's clean what has teflon what do we do we don't do non-stick Alex (laughs) Okay. So the green pan is not actually safe. Like green pan, we, we think it's safe. It's not. Can you explain? Yeah. Well, I just avoid anything that has any kind of nonstick coating because companies will swear up and down that it's safe, but I've read research that shows that it's not. And I just don't think there is a safe nonstick coating out there. It's kind of like the hair dye. If you can find it, like you'll be a bazillionaire, but I see these companies that market and are heavy pushing influencers to share their pans and they're just not, they're not great. Um, so I just recommend stainless steel. I will swear by my all clad um, that I got, oh gosh, when did we get married? I mean, many years ago, almost 20 years ago, we you know registered for a set of stainless steel pans. They're great today as they were then. Really? Um, Yes. And so when people say like, oh, but it's expensive. I mean, some of these things that we're talking about are expensive. You know, clean beauty is more expensive than going to Walgreens or all clad is going to be more expensive than, you know, another line, but they last, they're health protective. Yeah. It's my all clad is amazing. So I recommend Okay. So everyone says that about all clad, but I don't know if I've talked to a person that's actually had them for 20 years. So, so that's really good to know. They're great. And there's a way to cook with stainless that makes it a little easier if you're making like eggs or something that sticks. So here's like the really quick, easy how to do that. So you just need to warm up your pan. Like let's just say you're making eggs. Yeah. Warm up your pan and let it get hot. How do you know if it's hot enough? Throw a couple of um, drops of water on there. Once you see them kind of dance around, like they jump out of the pan, you know it's hot enough, then you can add your fat to the pan. And most people cook with like either a butter or an olive oil or a ghee or whatever. Add enough of that to like a good amount and then cook your eggs or whatever you're going to cook and you will see that they will stick a lot less. Okay. Good tip. Well, that's what everyone wants. The one once over egg that's not broken. And that's like yes. the full reason they have a nonstick. Yeah. Like that's I know. I and again, yeah. like if you're going to get one pan that's nonstick, okay. Like try to get one of those that's a little better. Maybe it's not perfect, but maybe it's, you know, definitely better than like straight up Teflon. Okay. But don't do it for your everyday cooking because the heat is what concerns me the most. It's same with plastic and, you know, cooking in a microwave and stuff. So if you're going to store something, I store certain things in plastic, you know, but they're not going um, 
they're not being heated up. And what about your cutting boards? Yeah, so those are just all wood. I actually okay. get mine from a local uh, person that makes furniture and he has his own farm and he chops down the trees and then he uses like the remnants for cutting boards. Um, but just all, um, you just want to get, I think wood is great and one that doesn't have like fillers because mm-hmm. um, some of them are use like adhesives or glues or other things to like hold them together. And so then you're a vegetarian. So why are, is it environment and health or is it one or the other? And when did you come to that decision? How did that all happen for you? Yeah. So we, um, gosh, it was such a long way ago, but I started learning about plant-based eating, um, ages ago, ages ago, before anyone was vegan or cared or even knew what that was around here. And I started doing a bunch of research. My husband had, was born with two minor heart issues that weren't a huge cause for concern, but because of them, he had to visit a cardiologist once a year, keep his cholesterol low, and his doctor wanted him to be on statins. At the same time, I was doing all this research on healthy eating and how plant-based eating could reduce cholesterol and lower your risk of a lot of other issues um, like cancers and so on and so forth. And so I just simply suggested to my husband, like, what if you were to try going plant-based for a bit? And one day he comes home from his cardiologist and he said, all right, I'm going to go vegan for three months. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I asked the doctor, what could I do besides be on a statin? Was there anything I could do? And he said, yeah, you could go vegan. And I was like, oh man, that's what my wife's been trying to tell me. So he went vegan for three months. He had his blood work done before and after, and his blood work changed so much that he didn't have to be on any medication. And so we kind of, at the time, called ourselves like the accidental vegans. And it just, it stuck. And I you know, I ended up at the time, it was so, it was just crazy, uh, controversial to be vegan, that people would just question so much about how we were living and what we were eating or not eating or whatever, that I felt like I needed to like, have this arsenal of information. So I ended up getting my certificate in plant-based nutrition through Cornell. And as I did that, I met so many professionals. I met you know, doctors and people that worked at Whole Foods and all these different people. And I heard all these different stories of people who had really reversed disease through diet. And that's really what caused us to live a lot more healthy. Now, today, if you came to my house, you would probably see like, we do eat some eggs every so often we will eat a piece of fish. So we're not, we're not vegan-ish because of environmental or for animal rights purposes. Although I will say that's a huge side effect that now my, even my 10 year old, she's vegetarian because she's really upset about what happens to animals. But for us, it was driven mostly by health. And this is one area that I don't think everyone, anyone has the answers completely to. Um, I actually just read a book which caused me to call into question some of the things that I have thought about nutrition for a while myself. But I think there's no denying the fact that we can all benefit by eating cleaner, um, you know, less processed, more fruit and vegetable forward meals and putting plants on every plate, I think is really important. I totally agree. And my functional medicine doctor says like, if we're trying a, you know, supplement or a new way of eating for you and we're seeing positive change, like we should keep doing it. So like if your husband's blood work was improving, like that works for him. But I think it's just, it's so not a one size fits all. You know what I mean? That like everyone's blood work, everyone's health goals, every is, but so, but like it is what is working for you and what's making you feel good and what's making your blood work improve. Right. So it's obviously working for you guys. Do you do dairy? Um, no, not Not really. really. Very little. Um, 
you know, like milk, I make my own almond milk, but again, every so often we'll have a pizza, you know, so we're not black and white about it. And I try not to be limiting because I think that can cause some issues. And like, I have three young girls and trying to, you know, make sure that they don't feel like things are shunned. And to be frank, I mean, no matter what I say or don't say, they're at the age now, they have allowance and they have feet and they have car rides places that they get, get whatever they want. In fact, I almost plotted the other day when I saw a green light thing pop up on my phone. That's like this, do you know what green light is? No. Okay, get ready because you're about to have kids and this will come sooner than you know, but the green light card is like a credit card that you can put money on for your kids and you can kind of, you see where they're spending the money. You can also make sure that it gets spent or not spent certain places. So let's say you want to give them gas money, but you only want that money to be spent at a gas station. You could do that. So anyway, I saw notification for McDonald's and I was like, what in the world? It was like $15 and it was, <laughs> I mean, we never go to McDonald's and I haven't even ever seen my kids go to McDonald's. Well, my daughter told me that she wanted a McFlurry and she said she accidentally got charged for the person ahead of her, but because I wanted her home, she didn't have time to like deal with it. So she just paid for it. And I'm sitting there on Friday night, like, what, what in the world did my daughter just buy for $15 at McDonald's at 10 o'clock at night? But anyway, so. That is so funny. That is so funny. Okay. I want to end with some of your parenting tips and philosophies because you have three daughters and it's, there's a lot going on right now with with restricting women's healthcare access. There's so much going on in the Middle East. There's so much ha- with social media. It's a very intense time. Yeah. How do you manage all of this? How do you talk to them about what's going on in the world? How do you make sure they're not on TikTok all day? Like, how do you do this? And they're all like preteen, like teenagers, preteen, right? Yes. So I have a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an almost 16-year-old. Wow. Okay. You know, it's really hard right now. It's really, really hard right now. And I think that, you know, so much just starts with what you teach at the dinner table, what you talk about as a family, what you prioritize and they see you prioritizing as important in the world. And I think that, you know, the best way to fight hate is to bring love. And I think that we just have found a lot of ways that we can do that as a family and it makes them feel so good. And so, you know, I don't, it's just, it's really hard with the kids to, you know, help. I find myself, I was actually just talking to my trainer about this this morning. I said, I just feel so bad for our kids. I said, these past few years have been so hard and we go from a pandemic where we're asking our children not to get near another human being. Like how unnatural is that, right? And we're paranoid about that. And we're locked up in the house and they're doing school from home. And then we have all these human rights issues that have come up, right? And now, and then like just personally, but in our family, we we lost our dog suddenly in the spring, which was just like really traumatic, I feel for all of us. Um, a small thing, but it, you know, it hits. And now we're dealing with what's going on in, you know, Israel and Palestine. And, you know, I'm raising three Jewish women and who are coming to me with questions like, if someone asks us if we're Jewish, what should we say? And I just, I could cry. It just makes me feel so bad because, you know, when I was a little girl, there were so many things that I worried about as a kid, like I'm just a worrier in general, but I didn't have any of this stuff going on in the world, right? I didn't have to worry that there weren't as many sex traffickers or people bumping into your car and trying to carjack you. And I feel like I am really walking this line of trying to inform my kids, trying to raise critical thinkers and good human beings. And on the other hand, not try to freak them out that every time they walk outside, they have something to be scared for because it sometimes feels like that. And it's just, it's a really, um, 
hard position for parents to be in and kids to be in these days. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just doing the best we can. My daughter said this thing to me when we were in Boston and I just thought it was so amazing. She said to me, she saw something probably on TikTok. Oh gosh. But she saw something that said like, we're all doing this for the first time, right? Like adults, kids, this is, we're all doing it for the first time. And I think that for like a 15 year old to recognize that even mom is doing this life for the first time, is just really insightful. And I think that's where we are today is none of us have ever lived through the times we're living in and we're all doing this for the first time and we're trying to just do the very best we can. But whenever I feel like overwhelmed in the world, like my go-to is to do something good for someone else. And so like these past four weeks, I mean, I literally have found myself like just wrapping up a present. Like every night I'm doing something for someone else. I'm doing something with my kids. I'm delivering packages. Like, I don't know what else to do. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but I'm like, if we could all just raise people who, when they don't know what to do, could just do something nice for someone else, we'd be in a lot better space right now. Because you're getting outside of yourself and you feel like you're doing something of service and brightening right. up someone else's day. But on the other hand, you're still very much acknowledging what is going on in the world. And as a Jewish woman and a Jewish mom, I've, I've really, I feel like you're such a good person to follow for -hmm. these times. Cause you have been sharing a lot of your perspective and how you're dealing with things in your own home. And I just feel like that's really relatable. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying, you know, I always try to be like a positive place and a light for others who may not feel comfortable using their voice. It's definitely not something I've ever like talked about. Um, but you know, we all have, we're, we're born into, like I was born into Judaism. Right. And it's just who I am. And the fact that like right now in this world, there are people that hate me and, and my kids just because we were born Jewish, I could cry, but it's just crazy. It's just crazy. You're making me cry too. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Oh my God. It's so wild. It's yeah. just, so, you know, but yeah, not to get too far down that road. I think it's very clear that we're dealing with good versus evil in this scenario. And I think this is what is maddening to me is that people don't see it that way. Um, I just can't believe that there are people that support a terrorist organization. I can't, it's I, like it's, incomprehensible to me too. It is. And this is where the, the thing about like, what do you do about your kids on TikTok or whatever? It's like, I did, I had a conversation. So my kids aren't allowed to use social media until they get to high school. And we made that line because again, would it be reasonable to say to my kids, you can never get an app? I mean, I don't think so because they're going to be adults. Like my 16, almost 16 year old is going to be 18 in two years. And she needs to be learning and making mistakes and um, living without just like being told what to do all the time. So that's just part of growing up. And I, I would love for her to make the choice to stay off social media, but I know that's a bit unrealistic to ask of young people these days. So we just had a conversation the other day of like, would you consider taking TikTok off your phone? And here's like, again, just trying to explain to her, you know, why it may not be the best place, but again, just making her conscious of like, what, what is the collective harm that's happening in our world because of apps like this? I, I think that we've known for a long time that like social media and news and all these things can create a lot of harm, but I don't think we've ever actually seen it playing out as we are today when we see some of what like what is happening because of it. And I really, really hope that it makes people rethink their choices because we're seeing in such a concrete way what's going on with artificial intelligence and with social media and with universities and where universities are getting their funding and their money from. So, you know, sometimes I feel like when I go on these tangents, I'm getting far away from what 
my intention was to be on social media, but then I realized like mental health and all of this is just such a huge part. It's the number one way that we can protect our health is by protecting our, our minds. And so I, I share all that too, because I can't help myself. Exactly. And with your, with kids, your kids age, it's a whole different ball game. Cause I, I'm a millennial and we're the last generation that remembered a time without, like I didn't have any sort of social media until the very, very end of high school. And it was Facebook. And it was only when you got into college, cause you could only sign up for Facebook when it was your college email address. Oh and so it didn't hit until, you know what I mean? So I had my whole childhood. Like I remember the time before and after, but the generation below does not remember the time before. Right. So it's wild. It's, it's right. a whole different world. It is wild. It is. And, and yet we can use it for good still. Like you totally. use it for good. I use it for good. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, there's just, I guess there's always just going to be this good and evil and and we're all doing our best. You're doing a great job. Oh, You're doing a great you. job. Thank you. So I want to end with some fun questions okay. to get to know you a little bit better. So do you have a can't live without beauty product? Well, I mean, I love the cleansing balm. I just love cleansing balm. It's so good. And it's just such a great way to wash your face at the end of the day and get everything off, but hydrate your skin. And it just feels like very luxurious. So that would probably be my, my number one favorite thing. Number one. Fa okay. So you're saying the beauty counter, the Lotus glow. Yes. Bomb. Yes. It's so good. Cause it can Love also it. double as a mask. Like you can just yes. keep it on after you wash your face, put it back on and sleep. Yes. It's Especially so in the winter. It's just so good. So good. Do you have a favorite or best advice you've ever received? You know, my mom always taught me like you, if you don't ask, you don't get. So I think just like my mom teaching me just to stand up for myself and to ask for what I need. And I just find myself like leaning on that a lot. Like, it, you know, worst thing that could happen is say no or worst case scenario is whatever. So I just, um, I like that advice. That's really good because I do feel like a lot of little girls don't learn that. I feel like that's something you learn later on. That's really yes. good. You learned that Advocate when you were young. I teach my kids that all the time. Like, um, and so the best, one of the, oh, here's a really good advice I got. Now I'm going to give you two. But one of the best advice I set, got once was don't ever do something for your kids that they can do for themselves. And I loved that advice. And it was, at the time, I think I had just had my second daughter and I was at her house. She had older kids and I was with both of my kids and maybe she needed her shoes tied or something, but my older daughter could tie her own shoes or something like that. And anyway, my friend just said like, don't ever do for your kids what they can do for themselves. And it does, it temporarily makes your life a little harder for a minute because for my daughter to tie her own shoes at the time probably would have taken us an extra five minutes, but what it creates is independent kids. And if there's anything that I could say about all three of my daughters, they are fiercely independent. They know how to get shit done. Any of my kids could run my house. They could make dinner. They could do laundry. They could lead a meeting. Like, And, and I think that's because I've expected them to do a lot because they can and they're capable. And I think that it brings a lot of confidence out of children when they know, you know, you know, they can do it. Like last night, it, you know, it was time to make dinner. And I said to my middle daughter, I was like, all right, we've got laundry, we've got to set the table and we have to make dinner, which do you want to help with? She's like, I'll make dinner. Great. So never had never made this dish before, set the recipe out on the counter and she made it. And it's like, she's 13. I mean, but she could have done that when she was 10. And I think it's because I just didn't, I honestly, and you, you get to win too, because in the process of being like what somebody might perceive as a lazy mom, you're giving your kids the ability to do things for themselves. And I just, if there's anything we could all do for our kids, it's that. Cause I, I've heard from a lot of people that 
kids are growing up with so much anxiety and so much stress because their parents are helicopter parents and they're getting to college and they can't make decisions for themselves. I was just about to bring up college. College is a rough transition for a lot of reasons, but this being one of them of like for a lot of kids, it's like, oh my God, the first time I'm cleaning my room, the first time I'm going to the grocery store. So you're giving your daughters this gift of... Mm it's always a hard transition, but it's going to be a little less for yes. them for yes. sure. It's so capable. For sure. That's so That's cool. Nice. That's so cool. So mm-hmm. where can we find you on Instagram and how can we follow you? So I'm at the better have on Instagram. Follow me there. Can ask me any questions. I always try to respond to DMs. I get the most random questions every single day from people looking for all kinds of things you would not believe. And um, I try to get back to as many as I can, if not all of them. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing so many things. This was so fun. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Glow Up and Speak Out. If you liked this episode, it would mean so much if you could follow, rate, and review the show on Apple or Spotify. And for more content, make sure to check out our Instagram at Glow Up and Speak Out. 